Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time now, and we pray that we would use this time well, and that you would help us to focus, to concentrate, to listen, to think, to pray, to think about what you have been saying to us and what that means for us in practice. What, that, what does that mean for us as we leave this weekend? What difference is this going to make in our lives, in the life of our church? How will this uh, change us? We pray that we'd be able to put our finger on concrete differences by the end of this morning. Um, that will make a difference as we uh, as we go back. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jason, first of all, come and, come and join me again, if that's okay. Um, we're working you hard this weekend. It's a joy. It's, uh, so uh, let's see. Um, Corin, what if I don't know if it's possible to... So we're also working Corin very hard on the on, on the on the proclaim and the PowerPoint and all that, all of that. Um, five votes. So we've got to start with one five votes then, haven't we? So uh, here we go. So you mentioned how existing commitments can squeeze out the spontaneous, and also how welcoming can be superficial. How do we vo avoid overextending ourselves as we seek to strike up new relationships? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. So uh, one of the things, for example, we were talking about was um, thinking about growing, developing, going deeper in cross-cultural friendships. And of course, um, you can only have so many friends. You can only be so many places and spend uh, so much amount of time with different people. And I think in terms of goal, you might think, how could I invest in one person over the next two years? So just having a, a, a realistic time frame over which we're talking about can help if you're talking about investing in a new relationship. Um, but also, it may be that as we reflect on some of the things that we've heard, it's not so much about having to reach out uh, into new relationships as go deeper with the ones that we already have. And it may be that, for example, there are a whole raft of people that we know but don't know, both in our church and outside, and actually, it might be just going a little bit deeper with people we already know, rather than feeling we've got to somehow, you know, cast the net impossibly wide. So that's a starter for 10. But we do need to use each other as a, as a sense check, as a balance in all of our Christian life. And so that's why we do these things as community. So both community helps us to, to keep a check on whether we're doing things um, within a reasonable scope or not. But we can also build relationships in community as well. And I just encourage us to think, uh, are there ways that as a community, as a church, we might be growing together in our shared ownership of, of growing in getting to know people rather than having to be us isolated individually or in our family units. Yeah, brilliant. That's, that's really helpful. So, and, and this, this next one goes on to... Um, which uh, is, uh, yeah, kind of, sim I think, connected. How can we move from being a church with, in some ways, a narrow demographic to being more diverse when those invited from outside that demographic could feel like a fish out of water? Yeah, that's a great That's a really <laughs> great question. Um, so, in other words, we, we started, I think, one of the sessions yesterday saying that uh, 
our church has a culture, and we can't get away from that. And people walk in, and there are certain ways of doing things, certain assumptions that, you know, you can't change everything at once, and you can't be everything to all people. So people are going to come in and feel like, whoa, I'm, this is way outside of my comfort zone. And in my experience, and this is so important, love covers a multitude of sins. So we must remember that actually our, our, our personal interactions and care and concern for individuals will enable people to keep walking through situations that feel way outside of their comfort zones and, uh, and, and you know, uncomfortable, distracting, all the rest of it. And I, I would say, even though I've been a pastor of a multicultural, multi-ethnic church for, for 12 years, that we make all kinds of ridiculous errors all the time, and it's because we've stuck with people over time, because they've seen us keep coming back, keep trying, keep making an effort, that they're prepared to keep sticking with us. So let's not be... Uh, it's a really good question because it's easy to just be utterly disheartened and despondent. Mm -hmm. And actually, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying and striving, but if we keep loving people, um, then actually they'll be, continued to, they'll, they'll be willing to keep walking with us. Brilliant. I think that's, that's a really helpful point in terms of what I've heard from this weekend in terms of we do have a culture and that's okay to have a culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's more about our understanding that that culture is there. Yes. Number one. Yes. Rather than just thinking this is the only way to do things. Exactly. So we say, okay, let's just recognise the way that we do things, and that's distinctive rather than just the way everybody does things. Okay, that's fine. But then, secondly, I suppose what a, what about that culture could be barriers to certain types of people? Yeah. So then we have to think of our the way that we do our services or whatever and think, well, what kind of person might feel uncomfortable here? And then is there a way, like you said yesterday, you had that difference between assimilation and accommodation? Yes. So um, not just sort of dragging them in and, and to make them like us, but is there a way of accommodating, recognising, I suppose, I mean, this is one of the things people will then say is, um, but, you know, you've got to choose. And the, at, at the end of the day, you have to do it one way or another. If you get two cultures where one is... Um, fastidious about timekeeping and another thinks it's really rude to kind of fuss about how you know what time things are you know how do you bring those cultures together that's really hard isn't it you're, you're going to have to decide if you're a church that starts at 10 30 like we, we have these you know we have these things to think about or are you a church I, I was part of a church in Finsbury Park at one point when I was at Oak Hill um, that yeah it said it started at 10 30 <laughs> but it started at 11 I mean, seriously, you know, it was just so when people were still coming in at quarter yeah, past, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, but that was the culture and that was, that was okay. And I, I don't think that works in Hampstead quite. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point, isn't it? We have a sense that that probably doesn't work in Hampstead, but there may be people for whom that, um, you know, is, is a thing. So, I mean, what's the, what's the, what's the sort of... How do we work with that as a, as a church? I mean, not specifically on timekeeping, but just that sort of general thing of where you feel like it's quite hard to bring two yes. cultures together if, if they sort of feel opposed to each other in some way. Yeah, I mean, just there's so many things to say, but just two things. One, I mean, it's so lovely, actually, to hear you reflecting on what I've said, because I think, oh, some things, I've, I've been making some kind of sense, and it's gone into... That's, <laughs> that's, that's super, have. That's super have. encouraging, actually, so thank you. One thing, I guess, in terms of you, you were saying we have a culture, that's absolutely right. But also, as individuals, we'll have certain ways that we're wired as well, which may 
be similar and different to the overall culture of the church. So I'd say let's be reflective about us as a church, but also us as individuals as well as we're interacting. But in terms of your question about how do we make those decisions, you're absolutely right, we have to decide. I mean, the, the two things, one is audit, so that what's our community, who are we trying to reach, and who are the people who are most likely to walk through the doors? And to, to, we, we have to, as you say, make decisions, and so we may say, therefore, given that we think most people who walk through the doors may be a little bit like X, then we have to, we may lean towards that, that might be one thing. Another thing, though, which pulls in a slightly different direction, is saying, well, who has the Lord given us? Who's here? And, um, and recognise that the majority culture will always find it much easier to flex to the minority culture. So what I mean by that is, if you, um, if you decided at St John's to play a uh, R&B song uh, as one of your songs in a service, which probably would be completely inappropriate, but let's just say, let's just say, let's just say you did, and that you had maybe three people in the church for whom that was, a, that was something that really helped them, then actually I think the rest of the church would think, oh, this is a bit fun, a bit novel, and those three people would think, wow, I really, this is really allowing me to engage with God in a new way, and it's really yeah. blessed me. So, so do you see what I'm saying there, that the majority culture tends to find it easier to flex to the minority culture. So it's worth thinking, can we lean into that a little bit more? And that might not be every week. So that's the other thing to say. It might be, do once a month we do something different? Uh, is there once every three months that we do something a little bit different? So it doesn't all have to be packaged into the one we're doing it every week in this way. Brilliant. Okay, and so I've spotted another question, which is... Again, coffee. Yeah, yeah, please do, yeah. Um, Okay, so how can we avoid becoming monocultural and consumer-focused as a church that gathers people from a wide area rather than our immediate context, which is unusually wealthy? Okay, so there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot yeah, in that yeah, question, okay, but it connects to what you've just been saying. Yeah. Because, you know, the, w- one of the things we do is we sit in Hampstead and we think, okay, well, we're on quite a posh street. Yes. Actually, nobody from that street currently comes to St. John's yeah. that I can think of. You know, maybe they occasionally randomly come in and we don't know they're there. But um, so, you know, actually being embedded in our context makes us think, oh, we should be working really hard to reach the, the, the ultra wealthy, which is the kind of yeah. opposite yeah. of what we're saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, OK, that's that's one thing. But then we but then we start to think, oh, yeah, but OK, in one sense, we know it's not that hard. If they want to come, they'll they could come and. Yeah. It's who is it hard? It's the reason they're not coming is not because they walk in and find a foreign culture. The reason is because all kinds of other things. Yeah. But they, you know, if they wanted to, they'd come in and they'd, they'd be relatively comfortable. Um, so what about... And we've kind of go around in circles on this quite a lot in terms of... There, there are... Um, there's social housing. Yeah. Not too, far, not too far away, but again, not quite on the doorstep. But, you know, and we can bring in Jill on this. <laughs> But there is, there is social housing not too far away, and there is, um, so there is, you know, behind the Royal Free Hospital, actually in Hampstead itself, although it's quite hard to tell how much of it's actually owner-occupied and how much of it really is social housing mm. these days. So there's those kind of questions. But, one, you know, one of the questions is, what are, are there barriers in the way that we're doing things 
that so people will just look at us and go, oh, they've, they've got nothing to say to me, they're not like me, all that kind of thing, you know, those kind of questions. Well, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, I guess two things that are worth saying. One is, um, well, praise God that you've got a leadership team and uh, people who can really think and mull on how best these things work out in your context. Because, of course, the danger is I come from outside, from a completely different context. I live on a housing estate in a place surrounded by housing estates. So the way that I formulate and think about these questions is different from your context. And I, I just want to just put my hand up and, and say that it's a different thing. Um, but in terms of, I, I think it's worth saying, isn't it? Jesus does, in the course of his ministry, make a specific point of reaching out to marginalised people. Um, and it, so in terms of the shape of our discipleship, there, I, think, I think it'd be reasonable to, to say that there'd be something strange if there wasn't any sense in which we were seeking to reach out to people and communities who are on the margins. So that's just one thing to say. It doesn't, doesn't dictate how you do that, but I think there would be something strange given the ministry of Jesus and the examples that he gives us. And then the question might be, to what extent uh, might we be able to think about missional communities? So rather than thinking this is necessarily how everything works on a Sunday, are there a group of people who, the, who God has gifted us uh, with who are passionate about reaching a particular group of people? And could there be some sort of interim thing? Maybe it's a group who are reaching out to... Um, uh, I'm not going to, I'm reaching out to a group of people who are not currently in the church and actually find a way of meeting up on a Tuesday evening and hanging out in a way that allows those people to come in as a stepping stone to them coming to church. And the environment that they're in on that Tuesday evening has less barriers than they might experience if they just went straight from the hotel or the uh, park bench or wherever it was into St. John's. Do you see what I mean? And again, that's, that's both a, maybe a strategic leadership decision or it might be a spontaneous. There are three, four of us here who are just really excited about this. Let's see what we could do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's, that, I mean, I, and th that's a really helpful <clears throat> both sort of challenge, but also I, th I hope that it might spark off mm. thoughts in our own heads as we listen to that. Um, because I think, I, I think, as Jason says, it, 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 it is kind of up to us, isn't it? It's up to us as a church to figure out what it means. We can't just expect someone else to come in and tell us the answers. Right. We are the people in the place who yes. have to figure it out. So that's one of the things we have to do. Um, and obviously leaders have a particular role in that, but yeah. leaders need to lead the whole church to, to do that together. Yeah, um, yeah please, Jill. Why don't we bring Jill in now? That would be, be great. Yeah, come, come and... Oh, this is just so interesting. <laughs> I wish I'd been here to listen to, to Jason's talk as well. And it's just wonderful to, to hear the conversation because it's very much sort of the bread and butter of, of where we are as London City Mission. Um, anyway, I've jumped in. No, no, you, you, you are. Um, I, just, yeah. I just wanted to add as well that, you know, don't underestimate um, the power of prayer. Don't underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit, both in your life and in, in, the, in the community around you. Don't underestimate the gifts that God has given you to actually step out in the first place. 
um, and, and, and don't under, you, you know, and, 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 and even think about the people that you are, your, your, your heart is to connect with, where, what are their needs actually? Because sometimes I think we can get very, very wrapped up in, you know, they, the, the, the practical needs of people, which of course is very true, but at the end of the day, you know, most of us are not social workers, most of us are not counsellors, some of us may have those fantastic gifts, which is wonderful, but we go out equipped by the Holy Spirit, we go out equipped by Jesus, we go out in pairs, we go out together, we go out as a church community, and we have a great gift to give, which is the good news of the gospel. And, um, and often you are connecting with people who have nobody to listen to them. So, I mean, I talk a lot, but um, really one of the most important things is, is that we create a space for people who are, who are often not being listened to at all, who are really on the margins, who've fallen through the cracks for, for all sorts of different reasons. Um, and we create, we want, you know, our heart is to create a community, create, be the body of Christ that we've been so blessed to be um, invited into ourselves. We were marginalized once, weren't we? We were once um, out, you know, outside of the kingdom and we, we've been invited in. And it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to, to share that with others, but it's not, you know, that we've got to go out and immediately share the gospel, but we, 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 want, we want to show that, that the grace that's been poured into our life, we, we, want, to, we want to share that with others. And we want to give those people often traumatized by their experiences and not used maybe to, to having, you know, friendships that they can trust. You know, many of the people that we, we connect with on the streets have really um, uh, uh, traumatic uh, life stories. And, the, you know, we, we, we can't, to, to even begin to, un, uh, to unravel that, to even begin to get to know that person and to peel back all of those layers, it's a, re it's a journey. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. And what really speaks into that person's life is even just the fact that you've taken an interest in the first place, the fact that you make time for that person, the fact that you introduce them to other people who, who will love them as well and who give them space to be all, all that they can be. You know, often we, we meet people who, you know, they, they might be on the streets or they might be sofa surfing or, or really fallen into very difficult circumstances, but they have, you know, they, they've been architects or, or, or all sorts of professional, all sorts of professionals maybe, you know, in the past, they have a lot to offer. They, they have so much to, to bring as well. And part of that journey and part of those relationships is to sort of um, get to know them and um, give them a space, a safe space, a non-judgmental space, a space where they can heal in, in some way by God's grace. Anyway, sorry. No, thank you, Jill. Thank you very much. <laughs>